Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning and welcome. I'm glad you're here. Man, I'm excited. We're getting ready to land the plane on this series. Um, I'm more excited about what Easter is and how we're approaching Easter and what God's doing through this church. I just want to reiterate this card one more time and how we have the opportunity to share our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ with somebody else. And I pray if the sermon gets boring today, you know, if you get those moments of just wanting to nod off, you can. But more importantly, instead of doing that, why don't you just look at this card, read through it carefully, read through it carefully, and there's some stuff on the back. But then, like, if you get out your ink pen or get out your cell phone, get out your whatever, take a picture of it, and then, like, literally send it to somebody that you know that needs to be with you next week. And so as we go along, if you get your cell phone out and you're doing that, I'm, I'm okay with that, okay? I know you're not just bored and you're checking out some sports because there ain't no sports teams in Kentucky in the tournament anymore. So it's one of those things, you know, hey, the truth is the truth, right? You got to hit some shots to make some shots. Anyway, um, and so uh, tonight, before we jump in tonight, man, we have the hop- hippity hoppity hope. And if, you, if, you, if you're participating, uh, there's some stuff out there for you to, you know, to gather up, take home, cook it, bring your red shirt, Salvation Army. Salvation Army loves partnering with us, and we love partnering with them. It's like one big family who wants to just love on our community in big ways because we're better together. And when we do this in a way that Jesus gets the credit for, man, the town gets to experience the hope of Easter. And so I'm encouraging you to go out there and do some things uh, as a family this afternoon. Bring those back to Salvation Army. And if you got some little munchkins, you know, some of these little guys that, you know, you can't, like, what do I do with them? What do I do with them? Well, Rhonda, the person in charge of Kidsville, who's back there just uh, beating on them right now, you know, it's one of those things where she's going to keep them in line for you up here at Kidsville tonight. So you have free babysitters built in, so don't let that be an excuse. You bring them on up here to the, uh, you know, up here to the loft, and then you meet us down at the Salvation Army. It's, 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 it's straight down 4th Street, so you can't miss it. Uh, and so, man, just come, be a part of it. Like, like Amy said this, this morning, it literally is a great way to begin to build relationships, but more importantly, go out and have fun in the name of Jesus and serve somebody, you know, and love on somebody. Here's the cool thing. Like, we had no clue. We had no clue how many meals, you know, that was going to be prepared for or to even consider. Because the first time we did this for Gobble Gobble Give, we had probably around 120 meals. And this was like four years ago. And we we're like, okay, so this is, this is Easter. We, we really don't know. Kind of, kind of like, okay, do we, do we go at the last minute and go shopping because we really have no clue? And, and so we got the word out, you know, we, we did our ground campaign and we, we sent home information in backpacks and we did all kinds of things. And, and literally, you know, we didn't have anybody calling us by Wednesday. Me and, me and Amy were looking at each other like, well, this is going to be really easy. We're going to have a, a ton of people with a ton of food, but we'll just, we'll just cut it back. You know, we'll just cut it back. And all of a sudden, we're just like, let's just pray over it and let's just let God do the rest. And literally, as soon as that moment happened, her phone blew up like, I mean, it was like white on rice. It went crazy. And next thing you know, there's like 470, 450 some odd meals that we got to prepare. So, hey, listen, come tonight ready to serve some meals because we're going to serve 500 some odd meals. We're going to take some to some police officers, EMS, and everything else. So I say that because we need your help. We need your help to put those things together. Uh, my guess is if we do it right, we can do it in 20 minutes. Uh, faster than Jimmy John's. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. And, and more importantly, we're going to get them delivered to the people that need it, uh, that want to just build relationships. And I love the fact there was one person who emailed me. And she goes, I know that this is probably not the best way to do it, but my phone's been canceled. And it got me off guard just a little bit because she was supposed to call, right? You know, that's what the rule says. And so, but she emailed me and she's just like, listen, phone got canceled. I just, I, but I need a meal. And, and, and we just don't have 
food and we don't have this and we'll have that. And, and my heart just sort of sunk into the, the conversation. She's got three kids and I just, I'm just, can, can, is there a chance that I can get a meal? And she emailed me like three in the morning this morning. My phone goes off. Guess who was up at three in the morning, by the way? I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> me. I don't sleep well at nighttime, especially before Sunday morning. You all think I'm really, you know, you're like, oh, he's a pastor. No, I, I, I just can't sleep before I get the chance to preach. I just, I can't. I, I get maybe a couple hours of sleep. And I just get excited. But I was up and I responded right back. Yes, we will. We got you covered. Matter of fact, you know, I, I, I might even be the one who delivers it because I want to meet her. But I encourage you, it's, it's not about cooking some food today. It is about your, your family cooking some food and getting fun and just having fun. You cook it however you want to cook it. Stay away from the chili beans. But, you know, it's those things and all the extra little peppers that people, some people like to put in the green beans. I, you know, just, let's just make them straight. Salt and pepper, that's all you need. A little butter, it's good. Maybe a little extra butter. But, you know, just make it the way you like to do it with your family. But then bring it in love and ready to serve in love. Because there's people who desperately just need to see some hope through love. And if we can do that in a way, it can literally change our community. And so there's my plea. I ask that you come join us tonight in a way that can change our community. And, and when we say these shirts back here in the back, it says, love built this. Well, that's what it's about. 2,000 some odd years ago, man, literally, love built what we are doing right now. It, it built the foundational piece for us to even take a step and go share the faith of Jesus in a way that can radically change our community. And so tonight, the first time ever, hippity, hoppity, hope. Hopity. I don't know. We could, we could have, you know, we could have made up our own grammar, so why not? We, we might change it for next year. But come, come, come experience this with us because it's going to be organized chaos, but I guarantee it, you'll walk away with a smile on your face and maybe a, 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 a hop in your step for this week is Easter. How about that for a transition? So, all right. So, man in the mirror. Uh, if you haven't been with us, man, I encourage you to catch up on, on podcasts on our website or iTunes. Uh, listen to where we've been so you know at least a little bit where, where this is coming from. And what I, what I have noticed this week, and I've been talking to some people, you know, most people, when I say man in the mirror, the first thing they think of, literally, is that song that came out of the king of pop, right? His name is Michael, anybody? Yeah, so you know who he is. Uh, they, you know, he sang this song called The Man in the Mirror, and so just for the sake of singing it, you know, the lyrics went like this. And, you know, I'm starting with the what? The man in. See, see y'all heard it too. So, you know, and, you know, and I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have any been any clear. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a. Woo! Yeah, you're right. Except he, he goes up on. I can't do that. You know, I am white. So, you know, it is one of those things. Hey, truth is truth, right? So, you know, he could then make a, make a change. He's going to make a change, right? And now that's not what we're talking about at all, by the way. That's not what we're talking about. But the truth is this. We are praying, and we have already prayed over these chairs this morning, and we're putting our hope in Jesus, and we're placing all of our love in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And when we do look in the mirror, that we see change. And a change that comes from changing what we care about internally because our love for Jesus changes what we center on and then it changes what we point back to and then it changes how we live and love our community. 
And when we do that, we begin to witness these four words we say often around here at Centerpoint. Change life. Say it with me, church. Wouldn't that be just the coolest thing in the world to see a community do that? Just a group of people that are changed when they look in the mirror and they know it. And they go out and start changing other people's lives simply because they are centering on Jesus. They're pointing back to the Father in everything they do. And then they go live in their community in a way that changes the world to make a better place. Right? Maybe the King of Pop had something there that we can take away from this morning. That we can do this. And if we want to make the world a better place, maybe we can look at the mirror and then make a change. You see, week one, we dove into this idea that if we're going to see the change take place, that, that literally we need to know that we're appointed, that we're just simply appointed. And when we're appointed, literally, we don't need to know anything else that Jesus appointed us, and that's all that matters. When he told us to go make disciples, he appointed you to go out and make a difference. And then week two, we sort of just gravitated to this idea where maybe religion distorts some of the truth, where religion distorts to something that's unrecognizable. So we need to lean back in and really trust the Father who is creating the change in us from the start. And then week three, we dove into this idea of the source. When we, when we to know the man in the mirror really is, I must consider the source. Is it you that you're dependent upon? Is it you're you trying to compare to your neighbor? Or is it really coming from the Father? And I, and I think a lot of us get stuck on that one because we sort of do things ourselves to make sure, make, to make sure that we want to move forward. We sort, of, we sort of skirt the issue and stop trusting the Father. And it goes back to that phone call this week, or the, 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 just the, me and Amy sitting down and trusting the Father and just praying over the list. And the next thing you know, the list came in, 400 strong. And I know all of us struggle with that. But today, what I'd like for us to consider is this, this word called labels. This idea of what labels are, especially in our life. And what are labels, by the way, you know? And most people have them. Most people literally have labels tagged to you. You know, hello, my name is, right? By the way, that's a horrible song. You know, it, it, just, you know it, it, it is what it is. See, the younger people know what I'm talking about. But it, it is, there is a song out there. But it, hello, my name is, right? And what are labels, though? When you look in the mirror, do you see something others have called you all your life? Maybe it's a nickname. Or maybe you have called yourself. Maybe you look in the mirror and you say, you know, I, I'm not worthy. Or I'm not pretty enough. Or I'm not valued. Maybe you've, you've done something with this label. You've called yourself this person, this individual. Maybe you've called yourself a failure because you failed at being a father. Or maybe you failed at being a mother. Or maybe you failed in your marriage and you just consider yourself a failure. What is a label for you? Do you know how God has labeled you? You see, when we say we follow Jesus, when we lay things down and we decide to surrender all, right? There's a great song there, I Surrender All, right? Old hymn book, right? If, when you say I surrender all and we follow Jesus and we go all in, you have a new label, by the way. The old is gone, it's truly gone, and it literally allows us to experience Christ in a new way. 
And when you start to feel it, I, I don't want it just to be an emotional feeling that just sort of just changes some things for a day, but I pray it's a devotional change that literally changes the DNA of who you are internally. And you look into that mirror and you know you are a new creation and nothing else matters. And you are made in his image that changes everything. And to be completely honest, that is all that matters in life. But for a lot of us, we, we set that label back down when we go to work, when we go to play, when we go to live where our community is. My question this morning is why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we peel that label off and we set it down? I don't know. I really, I'm struggling with that. And I've asked a lot of people, even this week, and I've had a lot of excuses. I've heard a lot of things. I'm sitting there going, but I still haven't figured it out yet. And we're at the end of this sermon series. We're landing in the plane and I'm sitting there going, but why, God? Why do we do this as Christians in our culture that we live in, where we, where we call home here in this part of the world? Why do we do this? What's interesting is this. This is what I do know. You can go to Walmart, Target, you can go Kohl's, you can go Kroger, you can go name your marketplace, right? You can go wherever you want to. And the retail stores have figured this out. They have completely figured this out. When you go into looking to buy something, the retail stores have figured this out. And to be honest, we're suckers for this word called new. And we really are. If we see the word new, your just eyes have gone from here to there. And you're just like, whoa, you know? It, look, honey, it's new. You know, it's new and improved, right? We just keep on going. We, 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 we con ourselves into buying this new product, right? We can go in the store looking for that regular same old item we get every single month, and, and, but, but, but there it sits. It's like the gravitational pull just pulls us in, and there's word. It's so big. It's so powerful, and it's new. I mean, it's like it's, it's across the top of a cereal box, and you're like, whoa, honey, it's new and improved. Why not get the, the, the nice Kellogg's crispy cereal? That's, it's the same Kellogg's crispy cereal. Why do we do this, you know? But it's just new and improved. And we do it. And this is the one that I really struggle with. I went in just to check this stuff out uh, a couple of weeks ago and then even this week. But you can go down the toilet, pole, uh, to toilet you know, area, the toiletries area, and, and the toilet paper. And there is some big, bold words across some of these things. It says new and improved. New and has X amount of dimples on it. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want it to be clean. I just want it to, to work properly. I don't need it to be new. I just want it to work. I just want it to clean, right? I mean, we, we, we look at things, it's even toothbrushes, new, right, across the top of it. And, and, and I'm just like, what is going on? And if we really evaluate these things, why is new and improved such a gravitational pull for us? I mean, think about it. Clorox, bleach, right? What does Clorox bleach do? I mean, this has been around forever, right? It, it, it does one thing. It cleans, right? But yet, you can go down the aisle and it says new right across it. And your eyes go, oh, well, we need to get this one. We, we, need, we need to pick this one up because it's new. Well, why? I mean, how much newer can bleach clean items before it just splatters everywhere and it, it destroys the, the, the item? I know men and women are suckers and they get pulled into this idea of getting something new, but the truth be told, it's the same product in the same box with a new label, and that's it. And if we're honest, the truth is we all like the word new from that new car smell. Come on, how many like a new car smell? We even go out and buy those little, those little air fresheners that 
don't smell like new car freshener smells, but it just makes it feel like a new car freshener smell. Maybe for like the first 30 seconds from then on out, it just stinks, right? We even like the new carpet smell. That's what we, we come into our house and it smells like new carpet. We, we, we even like new clothing smell. We, we sometimes we just like to smell that new clothing smell. We, we like the word new and, and it just makes us feel good. It makes us smell good. My question is, is why? How come when we look in that mirror, we don't see the Jesus that's created something new in us? Especially if we follow him and we call ourselves his. Why don't we ever see the word new creation that has the power to look in the mirror and to change the world? Why do we go back and just struggle and say, oh, it's just the same old product? It's just the same old, same old. But everywhere else in our world, we gravitate towards this word new. You see, what I believe is this. And for us this morning, if you're taking notes, here's a note for you. Jesus wants me to look in the mirror and see something brand new. Jesus wants me to look in the mirror and see something brand new. When we begin to see ourselves like this, this is when we see something only Jesus can get the credit for because as much as you like to talk about the new thing that you have, you will not be able to stop talking about this brand new identity in Jesus Christ that's changed everything. We've said this from day one. Four years ago, five years ago, when we start talking about what Jesus does when he enters the house, it changes what? Oh, come on, church. When Jesus enters the house, he changes what? Yeah, not just some things. Oh, he can't, you know. When he really enters the house, it changes everything. And you should be walking around going, well, look at there, look at there, you know? Uh, you know, because you just look different. You're like, whoa, look at this face. Man, it, it just startle you when you look in the mirror like, whoa, I didn't know I looked so good. You know, should walk out, right? And just be excited because there's something new. And have you ever noticed with somebody with a pep in their step? You're like, well, what's got into you this morning, you know? You're sitting at work and you need this person over here. I gotta know, church, quiet, gonna. And you're like, what is going on? You shut up, right? You're like, man, I just can't shut up. I can't, man. And then you, I will not be shaken. Uh, you know, you're just, you're just, something's different about you. And then you start asking questions like, what's going on? And you're just like, well, I just gotta tell you. And you're just talking about Jesus. Has anybody ever been there except me? I mean, I. I I sit at the hub and I'm constantly talking to people and I'm singing songs and people look at me like I'm an idiot or a fruitcake. And you know, it's those little moments and I guess I am because I really know that there is new in me and I'm not afraid to share it. That's why I sit in car, in my car and I jam and, and I, I got my music playing and I'm singing loud for all to hear. That's the way, best way to spread Christmas cheer, by the way. You know, there's those moments of clarity, but I'm spreading the, more importantly what, what, what my hope is in. And it's Jesus because I know I'm new. I might mess up along the way and I might have a spiritual dip, but I know there's new coming tomorrow. I might be down the dumps this moment. I might have a gloomy day like Eeyore, but I, you know, hopefully I find my tail and I'm back, in, I'm back in it now. I'm ready to go, right? Come on, some of you need to find your tail, right? We, we, we need to get it together and just know that we are new. you got a new label on you and you should go out and share it in a way that changes, or if we can use the King of Pops words, to make the world a better place. Interesting words, huh? King of Pop, the King of Kings. 
something there is about to happen for us. It changes the atmosphere when we really believe in this. So how does this relate to everything that we've been discussing? Well, over the past several weeks, we have been digging into this, this letter uh, of Galatians. And I found in the New Testament, which is a book in the Bible, and the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the people of Galatia. And today we're going to finish this thing out. We're going to finish this thing out in chapter 1, because we haven't even moved past chapter 1, but we're going to finish the rest of it out. So it's chapter 1, verse 16 through 24. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip it out. If you don't have a Bible, open up your Bible app on your cell phone. I'm good with that. If you need a Bible, back in the back, we've got Bibles we want to give away. And if you can't do any of that, just look on the screens, all right? Uh, so Galatians 1, chapter 16. I'm full of myself this morning. I had two Red Bulls. Anyways, um, <laughs> it says this in Galatians 1, 16. At least I'm honest. Galatians 1, 16. When this happened, right? So we're going to skip down just a little bit. But so to reveal the sign to me that I would proclaim the good news about the Jesus to the Gentiles. And it says right there in the middle. Come on, say it with me. When this happened. So what happened? We, we, we won't go any further than that, right? Three words, right? We're in the middle, right at the very beginning. When this happened, what happened? What? There was good news. There was good news he wanted to share. And the share important, the share portion was he just figured out who Jesus was. He just literally figured out who Jesus was. He knew about Jesus, right? And I've said this a bunch. There's a bunch of people that know Jesus, but they're going to miss Jesus. See, he knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know him. He, he knew him here, but he had no relationship here. And we're going to miss heaven by 18 inches if we don't know him here and we just know him up here. He said, when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, right? You see, when Saul became new and his name changed from Saul to Paul, y'all, I mean, those, those are great things. I mean, I just think it's really cool. And, you know, he went from Saul to Paul. And when he found Jesus, it changed everything. And it says, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. So he's going out and sharing everything. He didn't come to the pastor. He didn't come to the preacher. He didn't come to the deacon. He didn't come to the elder. He didn't come to the Sunday school teacher. He didn't come to the, you fill in the blank. Are you with me so far? It said he just went out. It said, he didn't say he just walked out neither. Did you catch the word? It said he rushed out. When's the last time that you rushed out of the house, by the way? When you were late, right? Or, or you know that you're getting something new. Come on, anybody bought a new car or a new outfit, new something, or new iPhone? Come on, kids, right? You know you're getting it, and you're, you're ready to go. You're rushing out. You're like, come on, mom, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go to the store. And you're just ready to go, right? You're, you're ready to go. You're rushing. This is, what it, this is what it feels like when you got something new inside you, and you cannot wait to share it to the world. It says, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, but here we go. He's ready to go. He is ready just to go out and explore what God's ready to do. He's, 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 not, he's not intimidated by what the challenges are there in front of him. He's ready to rush out and to just go share. He's not ready to rush out and go ask questions as far as, hey, can I go do this? Do I have, am I qualified to go do this? And this is where this, this is, this is the, the point. To make a difference, 
All, you, all, the, all the new man needs is Jesus. To make a difference in the world, all the new man needs is Jesus. And I think for some of us, we need to hear that because what happens is we, we really, we, we evaluate ourselves where we're at spiritually and then we just go start asking questions. Do I, do, you know, we ask our youth pastor, am I qualified to go share the gospel? Do I, can I do this at school? You, you, you know, we, 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 get, we get intimidated by all the other things that are happening in our life or, and we just, we don't do it. And it just says right here, I did not rush out to consult with any human beings. But in my mind, he rushed out and he just charged the world to go change the atmosphere. To make a difference, all you need is Jesus. In verse 17, it says this, nor did I go to Jerusalem to consult with those who were the apostles before I was. So he's not going to you know, church headquarters. He's not going to the religion corpse. He, he did not go where all the church home base was, by the way. That's where home base for the church was at the time where all the religion was, and it was just really, you know, he didn't get approval for them to allow them to tell what they thought, what, what the way they're thinking, you know, hey, maybe you should go to China, maybe you should go to Africa, maybe you should go over here. No, 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 he, he just, he trusted the faith that Jesus was and is and the hope in that, and he went out and used that, and he created something brand new, which was a journey, a missionary journey with Jesus. It says this, and it keeps on going in verse 17. It says, instead, I went away into Arabia, which, if you know the, the math of miles and you start to look at your map, it, that right there travel from where he was was about 1,200 miles. And if you think about on Camelback, you know, that's all they had at the time, that's about uh, 30 days. And so it took him literally a month just to travel there, and that's just if the camel was getting it. And so, you know, if they were really getting it, and that's, you know, they took a month just to get it. Can you imagine the conversations that he had with people, and the only thing he had to talk about was Jesus? I mean, you're out there in the middle of the desert. You know, man, Jesus is great. I tell you what, Jesus has done this. Man, he's I'm blind, now I can see, and I'm just, that's all Paul's got. He's just learning what to talk about, how to talk about. Man, look at the stars. Those things are crazy. There's a, there's a galaxy up there. There's, it's, this is marvelous. This is, this is majestic. This is, wow. Man, look at the sun. It is so high. I mean, he's just really pulling everything in. Sometimes we take things for granted, don't we? He's just absorbing everything. Literally, Jesus has just exposed him to, and he's like a big wet sponge. And sometimes what happens to somebody new in, in faith is they think they, they got to come and sit under the foot of somebody and, and to get all the answers, to, to know how to share when literally all you need is Jesus. You just need to absorb what Jesus is opening the door to, and you might not have, to have all the answers, but you definitely got Jesus, and so go share Jesus. Instead, he went away to Arabia, and then it said, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. And if you know map-wise, Jerusalem is below Damascus, and so that even took even longer. But during this journey, he continued just to trust God, and he just went out and changing. He took his one changed life, and he went out and changed lives. It doesn't really say how many lives he changed, but what I do know is a bunch because he just wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And for a lot of us, would we ever dare to do that? Would we just go out and trust Jesus that way? In a way that just says, you know what, I, I'm just going to trust him and just, I'm just going to go share what Jesus has labeled me as. And I'm going to trust him in a way that can go share love and the hope 
that he can change lives. You see, what Paul was actually experiencing is I don't need to get cleaned up first. I just need Jesus. I don't need to get everything just peachy and clean and I just need to go out and share, right? I just need to go out and share my story, my story that that changed my life when I met Jesus. What I think happens in our Western Christian world, when we look into that mirror, we see this is, is, is how it's supposed to be done, especially into the church world. And, and, and if this has ever happened to you, I, I want to apologize as a pastor. You see, we, we have to look the part. We have to act the part. We have to smell the part. Some of you need to smell better. But the truth is, you know, it is, but Jesus never did say change and then come in. He simply said, follow me, and then you will change. And a lot of us get that backwards in the culture we live in. You need to change before you can come in. And Jesus is like, no, 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 just, go, just, just trust me. Just follow me. Just, let's just go to the ends of the earth and just, just watch what happens. You'll begin to change. I know a lot of people who have accepted Christ and still got a sailor's mouth, just being honest, Right? And I've seen it happen over and over again. But, but, but what I've also noticed is the more closer they get to Jesus every step of the way, that filter begins to, to happen. That filter begins to happen. The next thing you know, sometimes that, that word never slips out again because you know why? It's been replaced with Jesus completely. And it changes the complete context of their culture and it changes their life. And I've seen it happen. And that's how I know this is true. You gotta think about this. Saul's life was what? He, I mean, this dude was a Christian killing machine. And he went out attacking people left and right. And there's no telling what he said. I mean, honestly, if we're just truthful, he, he probably said, damn the Christians, right? He probably went after him like, let's put them upside down. Let's, let's kill them all. He'd line them up. Let's execute them. Let's boil them in oil. Right? He probably cursed them. But now you've got somebody who's literally been changed because of Jesus. And in his brain, he doesn't know how to process all this, but he's just saying, you know what? My lifestyle was so far from God, and now I'm, I'm tracking with God, and I, and I know I don't have to get everything cleaned up right now. I just got to trust the Father to make me who he wants me to become, a new person. He had to get away from the culture so he can identify with really what God was trying to do with him. In the letter of John, I love this story. Uh, there's a story that comes from an accountant with a Samaritan woman and, and, and who is far from Jesus. And Jesus waits for her at the well. And maybe some of you have heard the story before. And, and here's a woman basically coming and, and, and to draw some water. But Jesus is waiting at the well. And, and she's a Samaritan, he's a Jew, and they, they, they don't clash, you know, they, they don't like each other. But number two, here's a man, here's a woman, you know, and that doesn't work out very well. And then on top of it, it says that she came during the, 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 the middle of the day and most people draw the water at the very beginning of the day and that was strategic. Jesus knows, right? He knows everything. And so here he is sitting there at the well waiting on her. And as, he, as she approaches, she sees this, this man and, and then all of a sudden she's like, can I get some water? And, and she's like, you know, this, this conversation just goes down pretty weird. And all of a sudden, they start talking about some things, and they start to reveal some things. And, and, and hey, listen, I, I can give you some water that you don't have, you know, be thirsty anymore. I can change your life. I can do that. 
And this conversation got really weird, and, and, he's, and he starts to saying, you know, I, I can show you something. I can prove to you that I know a little bit more about who you are. Like, tell me about you. Where's your husband? And she's like, well, I don't have a husband right now. Yeah, and you know, matter of fact, you, you, your other four husbands that you've been messing around with, and the guy you're sleeping with right now is not even your husband. And you're like, you're messing around with a lot of people, aren't you? Come on, just be honest. You're like the little harlot in town, right? Come on, right? And she's just eyes pop wide open. She's like, oh, how do you know? I've never met you before in my life. Has someone been talking? No, no, no. I know more about you than you ever imagined. And I'm telling you, if you drink from my cup, you'll thirst no more. And eventually it says something very clear in that passage. It says immediately she went back into town because she accepted something from him. The love that she, he shared with her and it changed her life. And she went back into town. You've got to come and see. You've got to come and see this guy who changed my life. He knows everything about me. Matter of fact, he told me that he loves me and he's changed my life. And I'm telling you, you've got to come with me. And she didn't go get cleaned up. She didn't know all the answers. She just literally trusted the Father in a way that changed her life. And she had a new label on her. And she said, you got to come and see. you got to come and see this guy. He changed me. And it says in Scripture that half the town comes back and hangs out with Jesus at the well. And then he camps out there for a couple of days. And the next thing you know, half the town is now followers of the way. You know, if she, what would it look like if, if she would have, went into church culture, religion 101, step process one, you know, and just sit in a class for the next 12 weeks because that's the step study that you got to go before you start to share your faith. Jesus probably wouldn't have been around, number one. Number two, would anybody have believed her? The, the newness would have wore off, and a lot of people would never have come to faith because she didn't go out and share it. You see, you, you don't have to go get cleaned up completely to, to follow Jesus. You just need to start to be obedient and follow him and trust the next step. You see, that's what a lot of us are experiencing in this new journey. When we surrender everything, we think we gotta, there's something we got to clean up. And I'm telling you, you just, you just need to really trust who Jesus is trying to change something in your life. You see, Paul simply went out and shared what happened in his life. And I'm sure he made mistakes along the journey. And he did not know everything. And all he knew was Jesus took from him his old label and being someone far from God. And now he was closer to God, experiencing God daily and changing what he cared about. And, and every single day, every single step, he continued to change what he cared about, which leads us to where I think Paul wants us to understand. You don't have to have completely all the answers first. Again, all you need is Jesus, the label. In John chapter 9, it, it, there's a story about a blind man. And, and, it, and it talks about Jesus encounters the blind man, his disciples, they encounter the blind man. He was blind from birth, by the way. And Jesus heals the man and stirs up all kinds of conversation in the town. And from those around him to his family, to the religious leaders in the town, every time the only answer the guy had was, hey, I don't know how he did it, but I was blind and now I see. And he's like, hey, you want to go play hide and seek now? I can see. I can, I can do this now. I'm not just Marco Polo. I can go do this, right? The leaders, the leaders lean in and question him even more. They push him. His family, like, you know, I don't, we don't know anything about this. We, 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 all we can say is, like, you know, he was our son. That's it. We don't know who did it, what did it, how he did it. And the verse, and the verse 
He says this clearly in verse 27. He says, look, look, the man explained. I told you once and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become a disciple too? And man, this just set the world on fire in the religion culture. It did. But the truth is, did you catch it? You don't have to have all the answers. The only thing you need is Jesus. I told you once, Jesus changed my life. Do you want to hear it again? Jesus changed my life. Do you want to hear it again? Jesus changed my life. And that's all you need to know. You'll figure the rest out along the journey of why, of how, of where, of when. The one thing you need to know is Jesus changes everything. He did not have all the answers. He just had Jesus. And for him, that was good enough because now he could see. However, for those around him, it was not good enough. You've been around people like that? We don't need to have all the answers first, but we do need Jesus. And I know when we first launched Centerpoint, we didn't have all the answers. Clearly, you know, we still don't today. We're just trusting heavily on the Father. And, and, and when you trust something, it's like this chair. You know, I, I got a little bit of trust in the chair right now because I got one foot down, and this means I got hardly any trust in the, in the chair. But when I do this, I'm all in. And I think a lot of people are trusting in, 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 in your label of who you are about two feet on the ground. And when we truly trust God, we need to literally put our feet up and say, you know what, I trust you. You got me. And that can change the trajectory of where you go with him. And what happens to say Jesus is enough, he lights up our world so we can see the new in you. And when we see that and other people see it, it changes the culture. Now it says Paul keeps on going down the road and after some years of traveling, after sharing the story, after some amazing trusting moments of faith, he now wants to seek out those around Jesus in that day and time. Those who hung out with him, those are his buddies, right? He wants to connect with Peter. And he says this in verse 18, if you got your word. It says, then three years later, I went on to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. Now, my mind just wandered when I read this, but can you imagine that conversation? I mean, just as to be real. Hey, Peter, I was this close to killing you, man, but now I love Jesus. You know, how do you start that conversation off? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just really funny to me. I don't know. Um, maybe you need to read your Bible. And, and, and I stayed with him for 15 days. Now, somebody said, why 15 days? I don't know. Maybe he got mad on the 15th day and said, you need to leave now because you, you invaded my space. I, I don't know. Why 14? Why 15? It just, it's just an accurate account. It's like you writing a letter in a journal, right? In verse 19, it says, the only other apostle I met at the time was James, the Lord's brother. In verse 20, it says, I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. Now, this is like, you know, hey, I got to go to uh, this concert and I met, you know, these, these, these musicians and you're telling everybody you got to meet them. And if you didn't have now social media to take a proof, you know, a selfie to show people, they ain't gonna believe you, right? And so this is what's going on. He's like, I'm declaring before God and what I am saying, what I'm writing to you is not a lie. I met the, the Lord's brother, James. And man, wow. And I met Peter, wow. I got to hang out with him, wow, right? And after 21, it says, after the visit, I went north to the provinces of Assyria and, and Sicily. 
In verse 22, it says, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. Now, this one's interesting. Meaning they knew his old label. They didn't know me personally, though. They didn't know the change that had taken place. They knew about me, but they didn't know me. When we have heard stories of of, of you, Saul, we, we know who you are, and we know what you did and what you, you claim to do, but we don't, we don't know you personally. And this is, this is just him writing. He's just being very truthful, very honest, very real. Verse 23, and it says this, and this is the one that really jumps off the page at me, and I think a lot of churches deal with this, if we're just being completely honest. And it says this in verse 23. It says, all they knew was what the people were saying. What's, what, are we discuss, what are we talking about right here? What? Yeah, say it a little bit louder. What are we talking about? Yeah. All they knew was what people were saying. And so what people were talking bad about you, what you once did, yeah, you should see Saul, man. Saul used to kill, uh, and, and he killed this, and he killed, he killed this little, and, and it's just gossip. And gossip, man, it's in between, in the Bible, it's in between murder and, and slander. I mean, come on. We're talking about killing people with our tongues. We're killing the God in them with our mouths. All they knew is what the people were saying, gossip. And I've said it before, but you know, the Greek word here is, is, is pseudoratoris. It even sounds evil, doesn't it? And I think a lot of church people, we look around like, oh, we see them at the altar, but you know what they did, right? You, you, they, they can't go all, they can't be new because, man, you, you know what's happening? You know their story. We share their story and we don't even give a chance to hear their story. And I think that's the most hypocritical thing we can do as a church family is not to listen to what God's trying to do through them. We just go ahead and define their label for them. And this is exactly what's going on in Paul's life because he's a new creation. He wants to go out and share the gospel in a way that can change lives and people are putting a label on him. Have you done that? No one's raising their hands, by the way. But what I know is we're all guilty of it. If we're, guilt, if we're just honest, I mean, I'll be the first one to raise my hands. I've done it. I look at that person and I'll say something like, yeah, but... Do you know their story? Versus getting to know what God's trying to do in their life and to say, you know what, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. I'm guilty of it. And I, and I need to repent from it because that's not how Jesus works. When he enters the house, everything changes. In verse 23 it says, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. See, the new me is the only me God sees. The new me is the only me God sees, and you need to hear that today. A lot of us allow these labels of our, our past to define who we are today. And if we're honest, if we're really, really honest, how many people allow the past, your story to keep you from his glory and what he has in store for you tomorrow. See, his future 
He has something special, something divine, a plan to prosper you, a plan to give you a hope for a good future, Jeremiah 29, 11. But a lot of us allow that old label to define us. Maybe it's because you messed up in college that one night. Maybe you had a baby before you got married. You had that addiction. Maybe it's the hurt, the habit, the hang-up, the porn. To keep you from God, Satan whispers these little words. You're not good enough. But when he said, it is finished, he meant it. And you turn towards him, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you ain't got a favorite verse in the Bible and you don't know much about the Bible, can we just start with this verse? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Circle it, highlight it, and if you got your highlighter times two, highlight it twice, right? It says this, therefore, I love the way it starts off with therefore, I just do. It sounds like we the people. It sounds, sounds strong. It's powerful. It's good. You know, therefore, come on, church, say with me. Therefore, that was weak. That was weak. Come on. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has, and the new is, do you believe it? It's just that simple. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. The old is gone and the new is here. The old is gone and the new is here. The old is what? Gone and the new is here. I hope that isn't permeated into your brain right now. The old is gone. The new is here. The old is gone. The new is here. You see, Paul goes on to finish out this chapter and with this one thing that caught me off guard because it depends on where you're at with your relationship with God. But some could say, he's, look, he's boasting. He's kind of narcissistic in his approach about himself. But that's not what he's saying at all. Uh, you know, in verse 24, look at it. Let's just, let's just read this and let's finish it out. It says this, and they praise God because of me. I don't know if you catch that grammatically, right? But depending upon how you emphasize which word, and we're going to try this together. So let's emphasize the word God. I don't want you to say God as strong and loud as you possibly can together, all right? Here we go. Let's try this. And, and they praised God because of me. Changes the whole outlook, doesn't it? What, what's, what's your focus point in that sentence now? They praise God because of me. Because where I've been, they see the life change. They, they see it. They recognize it. They're praising God because of where I've been. I was so messed up in my relationship that I didn't even know that I could even feel this way about God. I was so upside down in life. I've messed up so much. But they're praising God because of me. Because I, I just went out and experienced, and, and now all I have is Jesus. Because of me. It's changed the life for billions of people. When Paul met Jesus, it changed his life. Because of his one life, it changed the life of billions of people. You have to put this into context. I, I can't help but think 
If you go back in just history, not too long, we, we think of Paul as a history story. But I'm telling you, every scholar on the face of this planet will admit that the apostle Paul really does exist. And that he really did go out and he changed the world to make it a better place. The question is, is why? Now, some people was like, well, he just, you know, he got sick and tired of killing people. So he, he decided to change his ways. He felt bad. There's no way, man. I've never met somebody. I've never met somebody that just like literally just changes their ways and go change the world. He radically had an experience with Jesus Christ that changed everything. When Jesus entered his heart, (laughs) it changed everything. And I think of some modern day people. And maybe you can too. And here's where I want to end it today. We think of modern day people when Jesus enters, you know, their life, it changes things. And we can probably come up together real quickly, you know. Think about the moment in the revival tent that took place back in the 40s when Billy Graham experienced life change. How many millions of people would never know the life-changing experience because he didn't go out and change what he cared about? He began proclaiming the gospel in a way that radically changed the culture of not just America, but the world. I think of Mother Teresa, how she literally gave her life serving those friends far from God. Those people who needed food. I think of Martin Luther King who had a dream to change a culture. Who believed in the power of Jesus to go do that. You see, we list these big name people because you see them as new. You see them as a difference maker. But this is what I want to pull it down to this. The same power that was in the Apostle Paul, the same power that was in the the Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, the same label can be slapped on you. The question is, is, do you want the label? Do you really believe in the label? Or is it just like when you go into the supermarket and you just see the label and like, ah, it's not new. It's just the old Pringles. It's just a new box. Same same thing. If that's what we struggle with, then you need to experience the newness and the freshness of when you understand the old is gone and the new is here. Because when that happens, the atmosphere changes. Everything changes. And when the man in the mirror is made new, it looks miraculous. When the man in the mirror is made new, it looks miraculous. It changes everything. But you gotta be doing something ridiculous for him. You gotta say, I surrender. And you're gonna experience something amazing. There's a local company that we partner with to do some printing for us and t-shirts and they have a slogan that says when you're willing to do the ridiculous he will do the miraculous 
And I love that. When you're willing to do the ridiculous, he can do the miraculous. And so I switched it up just a little bit. When you're willing to do the ridiculous for him, he can do the miraculous through you. You see, a lot of us are scared to death to go out and hand this card out to somebody this week because you're afraid of what they thought of you in your past, that old label. Or maybe it's just the old label from this past week. Isn't it interesting? The newness that we're talking about from this day, the day that we're asking them to join us and be a part of what the new happens. A lot of us don't believe in it. Just the culture that we've been taught. We're just taught to go to church. And I want you to stare in that mirror this morning and I want you to really investigate. When you look into that mirror, my prayer is that you see the change that, that can happen when Jesus enters your heart. The change that comes from knowing Jesus is enough and that is all that matters. No matter what type of label life has given you, that you know that when you simply follow him, that you are new. And that's enough. So I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. A lot of people stare in that mirror and never will experience that breaks my heart. I know I can't fix it. I know I want to, but I can't. And that is why we trust the Holy Spirit this morning. In a minute, we're going to sing a song. The atmosphere is changing. It only changes when you decide to lay down that old label and you pick up the new and you allow it to press in and literally affect who you are in your heart that happens, it changes everything. And if we can just use the words, the king of pop, it makes the world a better place. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. And I thank you for how you're changing lives. I thank you for how you're changing lives and you're changing a culture simply by people trusting you. I pray for the people in here right now that are just struggling with this word new. How it's a label that sometimes we don't even believe in or maybe have never experienced. We just did the church thing. Because what I know is just like the Apostle Paul, once you experience the new, man, you can't shut up about it. He went out and changed the entire landscape because that's all he trusted was you. He didn't know where he was going to get his next meal from. He didn't know where his next job was coming from. He just literally went out and explored the world with you. And it changed his life. And it changed so many others. Father, I I trust in you this morning that there's people in here that need to hear that message. The only label that matters in life is you. The only label in life that really truly can define us is you. And the only label in life that can really take us in places that we never dare dream to go alone is you. So God, we just pray right now that we fully surrender to this idea of new and that the old is gone and the new is here. And we we expect you to do great things in the hearts of people. 
who have ears to hear. Just like the blind man. I've already told you that Jesus changed my life. Do you believe in it? I pray that there's people in this room that literally take the message that they're hearing this morning and when they're feeling that the Holy Spirit, that they go out and they change the culture. They go out and share it. They look in the man in the mirror and they really fully believe that you are at the heart of everything. And they go out and share the hope and love in Jesus Christ in a way that changes the world to make it a better place. That's my prayer. Allow us to be game changers in our culture today. In your name, amen. The altar's open. We're going to sing a song. And I just pray that you start to pray and ask God where you're at physically. Where's your relationship at? What does it look like to go all in and become new? 